Greetings, Movement family and friends. I am Robin Sanders, one of the leaders here at the Movement Church, and we are so excited to be with you this morning. If you're joining us in on the live, we are so excited. Thank you for sticking with us through the technical difficulties. You know what? It's all good. It's going to be what it's going to be. I'm glad to be here this morning, May 10th. It is Mother's Day. So to all my mothers out there, Hey, I'm hoping you're having a great day. I wanna shout out all of our movement men who came through on yesterday and rolled down on our moms and listen, they blessed us real good. They broke us off with gift cards and big posters saying happy Mother's Day. It was beautiful. So thank you to all of our movement men and all of our fathers who were just looking out and just blessing us mothers. I'm really excited about today. I'm excited to be sharing with you all on today. Now we know we are still in this space of social distancing and we're not able to gather but there's no distance in the spirit realm so we're together before we started today my sisters they came by and they made a big old circle and they prayed over me but they did something that was really really cute and I wish you guys had an opportunity to see it because we know that nobody gets to really sit in the room they took these chairs and they have signs and all the chairs filled with the sayings that of things that I normally say so in this chair we have sister come on and then in this chair, we have Sister Preach Bishop. And then the other one, we have Sister Friend. And then Sister, mmm. And then Sister Amen. So I got my people in here. So we good. We really, really good. And like I said, I'm not going to be here before you long, but I am going to do some recapping and share with you guys what God has placed on my heart uh, for this time and this season, because I know it's a little, it's rough out here. So I'll say this. I will say this. It's been some really powerful teaching happening here from last week with Noah and the week before that with Pastor Corey, just some amazing things going on. And I wanna encourage you guys that if you're not going back and watching the live stream, if you're joining in for the first time, man, go back to our, our YouTube channel, uh, Move, Movement CCC, and watch those videos, man, because it's some powerful teaching going forward. I'll just be honest and say this. I remember being in college, I went to a Bible college, right? And we had Bible classes, apologetics, and all those things. And really and truly, man, like I can just remember like thinking, I'm just trying to graduate. I'm just gonna be real honest with you. I can remember thinking I'm just trying to graduate. And sometimes when I watch these speakers and I watch these leaders and I watch them speak and I'm like, man, they're so powerful. And I hear about the stuff that they're talking about and the apologetics and how they just know the word. I'm like, yo, like, man, and I remember I was in class, I learned a lot of this stuff. I learned a lot of this witnessing without fear. I read the Bible backwards and forward went through, over the course of my college years. But the real truth of the matter is sometimes when I was there, I was like, yo, I remember learning that stuff, but I was probably sleeping in that day. I remember learning that stuff, but I was trying to dip so I can get to, to the crib. I was trying to take a road trip for the weekend, so I left class early. So what I'm saying to you is this, do not take for granted the teaching that you are getting. I know that we have a buffet of teachings out there. You can just click on everybody's lives and see what's going on all across the world. But I would encourage you to get somewhere, settle in and get this good teaching, man, because I'm telling you, it'll be a point in your life where you wish, 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 wish you had have taken advantage and just listened and paid attention more. As I look at other speakers, I'm like, yeah, I wish I would have paid attention because I learned a lot of stuff in college, but some of it I was just snoozing through. So saying all that to say, tap in. Tap in and don't let all of this good stuff go by. So I told you I wanted to do a few things. I wanna recap the things that we've been learning over the last two weeks and then add on to that from Matthew chapter 12. So I'm gonna spend a little time in Matthew chapter nine, then I'm gonna go to 10, 11, and 12, but I'm just gonna recap to bring us up to speed in chapter 12. Now I'm gonna be in, when Corey asked me what I teach today, I was like, bruh, bruh, uh, who, where, oh, T, oh, now you mean like teach daily online because they, oh, oh, like on a, on a live stream, oh, yeah, no, nah, that, that ain't me, but you know what, I'm here, and we're gonna do what we're gonna do, now, I told you, Pastor Corey, he ripped it when he uh, taught from chapter, the bottom of chapter nine, when we look, we look at the workers are few, from chapter, Matthew chapter nine, 35 through 38, he started there and he was talking about being on mission for Christ. And I'm talking about this message. 
I mean, not because he baby daddy or nothing, but he killed it. Like, I mean, like, and I'm still chewing on that message even now. I'm still chewing on it even now. So we go to chapter nine at the bottom where we're looking at Matthew chapter nine, 35 through 38. And you see here, Jesus is going through the towns and the synagogues, teaching and proclaiming the good news. And then he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to the to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. So here is like the the setup. This is like the big setup that prepares us for chapter 10. So he's telling them like like the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then chapter 10, he's going to engage them. So Pastor Corey, he gave us these three things that we must keep in mind when we're thinking about being on mission in the harvest. He gave us three things. Number one, he said, we have to see with clarity. Then number two, he said, we have to feel with compassion. And then number three, he said, we have to pray with conviction. And then he flips over to chapter 10. And in chapter 10, now all the first nine chapters, we have these disciples and they're walking through and they're watching Jesus, right? They're watching Jesus perform the miracles and see cast out demons and healing sicknesses and diseases. They're watching all of this. Now, when we get to chapter 10, it's like game on, right? I remember being in the 11th grade and I lived in Germany and I learned how to drive on the Autobahn, right? And I don't know if you guys know anything about the Autobahn, but they have one speed and that junk is fast. It's, the speed is just fast. So I'm, I'm taking this driver's ed class, right? And even their driver's test is like 150 something questions, but I'm taking this driver's course because you have to take a driver's course before you learn how to drive, right? So I'm taking this driver's course and the guy on the other, on the in the driver's seat, I'm riding with him and I'm chilling, you know, and you get that little simulation where you get to turn and do stuff on the passenger side too. So I'm like chilling. It's like, I'm waving at friends when I'm driving through the apartment complex. I'm like, yay, how y'all doing? I'm driving out here, but not really. And and then we get to the Autobahn. So we get to the Autobahn and then this is where he goes, we're gonna switch seats. And I'm like, switch, switch seats for what? Like what we, what we, like what we do, we gonna switch them and then switch them back. He's like, no, we're, got, we're about to drive. And I'm like, drive on the Autobahn? And so he's like, yeah, you had all this time to like take in what I was doing and practice, now it's your turn. Well, Matthew 10, this is where we are. It's like, okay, you've had your practice, you've watched me, so now it's your turn. So he then does this with the disciples. He charges them and tasks them with doing what they've watched him do, and then he calls them over and then he gives, all, he says, all the authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every sickness and disease, I'm giving that to you. What he's doing ultimately, like Pastor Corey said, is calling them to risk. And if you know anything about my husband, he loves taking risk. He has made a whole campaign out of risk. He got the t-shirts, he got the hoodies, he got the headbands, he got the shoe, he got the basketball team that's called risk takers. And if you know me, you know I'm a little bit more conservative. I'm animated, but I'm a little shaky. So when it comes to my husband and the risk, I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. I, I'm not ready. I, I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to. And this guy, he does this thing, like what he mentioned in chapter 9, forcing them out where Jesus talks about them being forced out. So in a lot of ways, I'm sometimes forced out of my comfort zone. And you see that here where he's calling them out. It's like, it's game time. He's calling them to risk and he warns them. He's like, yo, it's gonna be for real now. It's gonna be for real. It's not gonna be like this walk in the park. It's gonna be real live, like real serious out here. He says, you're gonna get flogged. You're gonna be before you're going to be before a councilman. You're going to be jailed. Like people are going to literally hate you because of me. And that's okay. He says, they're going to hate you because of me. But even in that, I want you to be as gentle as doves. I want you to be as shrewd as snakes. I want you to be as, as, as passionate and, and soft and gentle. And so he's sending them as sheep among wolves. He's not sending them like wolves among wolves, as Corey highlighted when he taught. He's sending them as sheep. He's sending them as these mild, meek, non-aggressors, not powerless though, just ones that don't, that don't ante up. 
he sends them to be mild and reflect his character. And you see his character. He talks about that in, in Matthew chapter 11 as well, where he says, I am gentle and I am humble in spirit. So he's saying, I'm sending you in that same way. And that's what's countercultural because when we go out here and we're in this world that's aggressive and angry and has all this tension, it's saying don't, don't, don't come at them with that same tension and don't come with that same aggression and don't come with that same anger. Come with the gentleness and a sense of humility. And so he says, I'm sending you like this. Now this, where he highlighted even in his teaching, you got this good father, this good shepherd that's sending his sheep among wolves. Sounds like he's sending them to a death sentence. But he says this, he says, listen, and when I send you out there, it's going to be rough and people are going to confront you and you're going to have some confrontation. He says, but don't worry about it. Don't worry about it because when they come to you and when they come and they start saying these things against you and accusing you, the, the spirit of the father is going to give you the words to say and you're going to be okay. Right. Don't worry about what they can do to the body. As my girl, Nicole C. Mullen would say, they don't have a heaven or a hell to throw you in. You're going to be good. You're going to be good. But then he goes on and then he calls he calls them to ultimate allegiance. Now, I know it's Mother's Day and we start thinking, yo, he when he starts calling him the ultimate allegiance, he says anyone who loves the father or the mother or son or daughter, those are not worthy of me. That's some ultimate allegiance because I start thinking about my kids and I'm like, yeah, all bets off when it comes to my kids. But this is the type of allegiance that God is calling us to. He's calling us to, to surrender our complete and total heart. And I know for, for many of us, especially now you think about Mother's Day, it's not anything that I wouldn't do for my kids. They get on my last nerve and my first, second, and third. But there ain't nothing I wouldn't do for them. And God is saying, even then, if you, if you love them more than me, you're not fit for me. So that's some ultimate allegiance. And that's something that you got to think about. So he's calling them to risk and he's calling them out. And we got to hear that from Pastor Corey about how even now in the midst of this pandemic that we are being called out to some degree. We're being called out because many of us wouldn't move and wouldn't do anything if our comfort wasn't rattled. I know me, I'm having a conversation with my husband just the other day and he's calling me to some places of risk. And I'm just like, yo, I don't. I don't wanna. I don't wanna do it. I don't. I wanna be comfortable. And I'm telling you, being on mission for Christ, there's no real place for comfort and convenience, and there's no real place for safety either. And that's hard to hear, especially in a place like now, that there's no place for comfort and there's no place for convenience. There's no place for safety, but there is place for sovereignty and there is place for a good God. Amen. So then we go to chapter 11 and this is where my brother Noah, he teaches, he sets it on fire. Right. So we've got Jesus looking upon people with compassion. So we've got this idea of compassion. And then he says, I want you to look at the people the same way. Take my same heart, take my same mind. And I want you to serve the people and they're going to be mean. They're going to talk crazy to you. They're going to be like savage. Yup. Uh, uh. Uh, they're going to be all that and it's going to be OK because I got you. Right. So this is what he's telling the people. So then he goes to chapter 11. So he gives them the instructions. He breaks them off in chapter 10 and then he dips and then he goes to Galilee. And then this is where Noah picked up and Noah did an amazing job teaching. I've watched that several times. I'm telling you, if you're not watching these messages, you missing out. It's like leftovers. You know, like when you put the leftovers in and you let them sit like the for the, for the day. And some people bougie, like some people don't do leftovers. I like leftovers because the seasoning get in there real good and it marinate. And so this is how this word is a lot of times. You know, the first time you you hearing it okay yeah cool 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 but then you got to let it marinate and go back to it later and if you're not going back to these messages later you missing like where the onions and sauteed in there real good and all the you know maggi and epi saying got that's my honorary Haitian you know what I'm saying that's Y'all know nothing about that. You got to be from South Florida to really know what that is or from Haiti to know what that is. But that's when the, the seasoning get in there and the maggie get in there real good. And then it's, it's, it's good, you know. And so that's how these messages are. So Noah, he comes in chapter 11. And right here we see um, this where John the Baptist, he's in prison. And then he sends his disciples and his disciples is like, yo, we see you out here doing your thing. John want to know if you the dude that said that they said was coming. You, you him or what? And then Jesus get kind of slick. And he's like, um. 
They, you see people being, you know, healed from sickness and the, the blind getting their sight and the deaf hearing and people being raised from the dead. I don't know. Sound pretty much like a Messiah to come in at a guy to me. And he's like, OK, you know, so we see John the Baptist and even John the Baptist operating in a space of fear. But then you have these other unrepentant towns and all these miracles are being performed. Right. And people still not checking. They're still rejecting the message. They're still like, yeah, that's cool. That's what's up. That's cool. But. Yeah, we ain't with that. And so they reject the message. And then even after rejecting the message, he still gives an invitation. You got these wise and these learned people that it's hard. And sometimes I get a hold of that. Sometimes we can become so wise and our own conceit and we don't come to the Lord like little children. And we, we get too wise and then it, we don't we can't receive it because we know too much. Right. And I'm not saying that being wise is a pejorative thing, something that's to be disparaged or to be belittled. But we have to come with a certain openness to God. We have to come with a certain openness. And we see here that the people didn't have that openness. But even still at the bottom of chapter 11, what happens is this. He offers an invitation and in offering the invitation, he gives us this opportunity to kind of trade yokes. He gives us this opportunity to trade yokes. And he says this. We get to go from working and laboring and striving and doing all of these things that we think are the right things and we get to rest fully, not just get take a nap or get some relaxation, but we get to have the highest level of rest, that soul rest when we know and we're assured that God has us and we're taken care of. And Noah did a really beautiful job and was really transparent in saying that, you know, sometimes the, the product, the productivity, uh, gets on us and we want to do things, do things, do things, right? We want to do things to earn favor. We want to do things to earn good graces with God. We want to do things that we feel like make us look good. And sometimes we can be doing all of these things in our heart. It's far from God. We lack compassion. So what he's saying here is he says this, he says in chapter 11, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus, even in the midst of people rejecting the message, being unrepentant, even after seeing the miracles that have been performed, he still goes back and offers an invitation for them to lay all of their knowing and their wisdom and their teaching and their intellect. He says, you can lay all of that down, all of that striving that you guys are so accustomed to. You can lay all of that down and you can find rest in me. So you get this idea of a yoke. And we talked about a yoke. Now, the thing about a yoke is Noah talked about a yoke and it's a it's a farm tool for sure. But when I went back and did some further study on a yoke, a yoke is a tool that is used for one ox or it can be used for two. But typically when there's a pair of oxen on a yoke, one is significantly one of the ox is significantly stronger than the other. And the one that is stronger than the other is typically the one that is more skilled and learned and following the master's commands. And not only that, not only is he more skilled and mastered and following the master, I mean, and skilled and following the master's commands, he is also the one that typically leads out. So not only is he stronger, not only is he more skilled in knowing the master's commands, but he's also in charge of leading. So we get this idea of a yoke. So if you think about this pair, who do you think is most likely to be the one that's leading out? When, when Jesus invites you, right, to come and say, he says, come. He says, my yoke, it's easy and my burdens are light. So Jesus invites us into this space to get up under this yoke with him. We get up under this yoke with him and, and we know that he's the stronger one. He's going to be the one more skilled in following the father's commands. He's going to be the one that leads. So what happens is this is why he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why is his yoke easy? Why is his burden light? Because he knows and obeys God perfectly and he's at perfect peace with God the father. So what he does is invites us underneath this yoke with him where he's stronger, wiser, more learned, and he leads us. 
And he's able to do this because he is in perfect harmony with the Father. And if you look at verse 27, you'll get to see this revelatory um, privilege that he gets to walk in. You get to see this unique closeness that he and the Father share. And this is why he can say, I'm good. Like you could come up under this yoke with me and you ain't even got to work like that. You know how you got the plug? Jesus is like, I'm the plug. I know, I know, God, we like that. We like that. Like he, we like, we here. Like I'm in him, he and me. You know what I'm saying? We rocking like that. And, and you ain't even got to say, you ain't got to do nothing. Just come under here and I'm going to intercede because see, you as a human being, you got this uncanny knack to sin and mess stuff up and you have an adverse, uh, uh, adversity to just obeying God. And so you're going to sin and just mess that up. I'm perfect though. I ain't got issues like that. Come under here. I got you. Just you, you like Noah gave that description. He gave that vivid picture of like when he was trying to move this, this file cabinet. And as he's trying to move the file cabinet, he asked the guys to come in and then the guys pick it up. Whoop, whoop, they're gone. And Noah just got like a finger on it. Right. And that's essentially how it is. You are under this, this, this yoke with the king. He's stronger. He's wiser. He's more skilled. Why is, he, why is his yoke easy and his burden light? Because he knows and obeys God perfectly and is in perfect peace with him. And we have an uncanny knack to mess that up. So he moves on our behalf and says, just chill, get up under here. I'm not saying you ain't going to have to do no work, but I'm going to do the heavy lifting. So we see that. We see that God releases us from this doing, this, this, this having to do, having to be perfect, keeping the law, all the demands thereof. And then we get into chapter 12 and it talks about Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. So we see these Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? They are these students. They know the law. They know the law and they know the law full well and they feel like the law is the thing that saves them and gains them favor. And then you have the Sabbath and the Sabbath is basically this day that's set aside and reserved for worship and rest. And typically we like to think about the Sabbath here in the West as the Sunday where we get like the day, the time off and the time to just be in worship of the Lord. And that mirrors closely this idea that God created for six days and then on the seventh he rested. So you have the Sabbath. And a lot of times we just come and we come to places of worship, but we don't do very much. And so when you see the Pharisees in chapter 12, you know, they low key like, you know, that nagging, you know, Church mother, that one that's, mm, look at y'all. Y'all all out here in the field. Jesus, are you out here with these disciples and y'all out here, you know, going to, through the grain fields and picking food and whatnot. And it's the Sabbath. Y'all supposed to be resting. Mm, look at you. You supposed to be the disciples and this king and you out here violating the Sabbath. And so they go on and I read it. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And they always think they got you. They think they got him like, mm -hmm, look at you. And he says, he answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions, sorry, excuse me, he he entered the house of God and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Going from that place, he went into their synagogues, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. My just haters, my just haters. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He, he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. 
Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So he goes through all of this. He's healing. He's doing good on the Sabbath. And they still find reason to ridicule. They still find reason to find flaw. And this is what the Pharisees did. They had a head knowledge of God, but not a heart knowledge of God. And you probably would think you would scoff like, man, look at them like that's messed up. But if we'd be honest, we all have a pharisaical type of energy about us, too. Where again, because you see it in the previous chapter, where you're working and you're striving and you're doing your devos and you're coming to a gathering and you're coming to volunteer and you're doing all the things that you think that earn you favor. You're working, you haven't cursed in a week, you ain't messed around in a couple of days, you kept it clean, you did a little devotional, you prayed, you know what I'm saying, on your ride to work. You've done these things, so you're good. And that's that very legalistic mindset that makes us feel like something within us can attain righteousness. And it's not possible. Nothing within us can attain righteousness. It was given to us. When Christ died, that's when and the blood was shed. Righteousness was imputed to us. We don't do anything to gain it, but sometimes in our fickle thinking, we make Christianity about a bunch of works. And then in our own strength, we try to then live it out. So we, we sometimes are like the Pharisees, and you see where the Pharisees, they erred in three ways in this passage. The first way that they erred was they added requirements to the law. So, for example, there would be a law that they would keep based on Old Testament that would say that you can't travel, right, on the Sabbath. Unless, like, you have, like, food within 3,000 feet of, you, I mean, unless you had like food within 3,000 feet of your home, they would add these type of requirements. So they would go, not only can you not travel, but now if you can't travel 3,000 feet within your home. And if you have food within there, then you can start from where the food is like a crop. And if the crop is at a certain place in your, in your, uh, your land, then you can go 3,000 feet from there. It would just be really crazy things like that. So they were adding requirements to the law. It wasn't enough that they were trying to keep every nth and tenth of the law. Then they started adding requirements to the law. So this is where they erred. And this is the thing that Jesus said, I'm coming to free you from all of that. I'm not coming to eradicate or abolish the law, but I'm coming to fulfill it. But you're no longer a slave to it. And a lot of times we, even in our own thinking, we try to take back that gift of grace. We try to take back that unmerited favor that's been given to us and start working for it. And it's like, it's nothing that you can do. You don't have enough. You don't have enough, right? So then we see the second way that they've erred. They ignored the exceptions of the law. They ignored the exceptions of the law. So then we see where they ignored the exceptions of the law when it's here. If people are hungry. If people are hungry, wouldn't you, wouldn't you feed them? Because when we start thinking about Jesus, Jesus' main concern was salvation and the people. So number three, you see that they missed it by missing the heart of the law. The heart of the law. And, and, and they wanted to keep the rules and the statutes and the, and the tradition so well that they forgot about the people. So I just want to just, just, just preach from here. And I'm going to just kind of go off book, as we say in theater. The thing about it is, when you see here, you see these Pharisees staunchly keeping the law. They want to keep the law. And a lot of us go, well, yeah, that's, that's far off. That's, that's, that's not me. But a lot of times in our Christian faith, we want to keep the things. We want to do the things that make us appear good. And our hearts are not necessarily in a posture of praise and in a posture of, put, of, of, of um, submission, right? And we look like the Pharisees, but we're trying to do everything right. But what Jesus says is, I am not concerned about the, the laws and all the work that you do, what I am concerned about is your heart. I'm concerned about the heart of the matter because what does he call us to in chapter 9? He calls, he's, he looks with compassion. Then he tells his disciples to go to the dangerous places, to the places that people don't want to go. I want you to go to the lost sheep of Israel. And I want you to share, don't go to the, to the um, Gentiles or the Samaritans. I want you to go to the lost sheep of Israel. Where's rough, 
it's not comfortable, it's not convenient, go there. And I want you to be compassionate. Ultimately, what he's calling them to do is be compassionate. This countercultural idea of what it means to be in a time where it's rough. We don't counter it with the same thing. We come, when they give us, when they go low, we go high. And that's essentially what he's saying. He's saying, go in there and be like me. He, he lays out what his character is. He says, I am gentle and humble in spirit. And that's how I want you to move as my disciples, as my people. So then we get down here to chapter 12 and he's saying this. He sees them, they got all these laws and they stacking it up against him. And they're not even understanding that you're trying to uphold the law. And I'm the one who I am the law. I'm the one who set the law. I'm the one who created that. And you trying to hold me to something and, and this you treat me like I'm a guest in my own house. Like, where they do that at? And so he's got this idea that now, let me get to the heart of the matter. So when we go, I want to give specific attention to um, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 6 and 7. He says, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. Now, when he said that, they was like, oh, 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 oh. So you just going to. You just gonna come in here and say you greater than the temple? Like you, that's what you're gonna do? You just gonna be just all flamboyant and arrogant with it like that? And he says, yeah, I'm telling you something greater than the temple is here. And he says, if you had known, he says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. I'm gonna spend some time right there. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now, this particular verse is pointing back to Hosea 6.6. Hosea 6.6, when the prophet Hosea spoke to the people of Ephraim and Judah, when they were just wilding out and being unrepentant and doing their thing, and they thought, oh, I'm just going to give sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. I'm not going to really turn and repent. I'm not going to turn from how I've been living and turn and change my perspective. I'm just going to keep offering sacrifices to the Lord. And then the Lord sends word through Hosea and it's like, no, stop burning up stuff, man. Stop. I don't want the sacrifices. I want your heart. I want your heart. I want mercy. And so when we think about mercy, I want to tell you what mercy means. Mercy means compassion in times of distress. Think about that. Mercy. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What he is saying is this. I desire compassion in times of distress, not sacrifice, not all of your things, not all of your keepings, not all of your churchy things that you do. What I want is a heart of compassion. What he's speaking to and what he's addressing is the posture and the position of our hearts. Then and now. And it can easily go, you can easily go back into chapter 11, all the striving, all the working, all the doing, the Pharisees down in chapter 12, all the striving, all the doing, all the keeping of the law. And he says, I ain't interested in that. What I'm interested in is this. I'm interested in the people, not protocol or the process. You guys are looking at the protocol. You guys are looking at the law. I'm coming for the salvation of the souls of people. And so I want to rest right there. What he is calling us to is mercy. That's compassion in times of distress. I'm going to be real open with you. I'm going to be real transparent. So a couple of weeks ago, we out here serving the people. And we see a sister across the street. And we have been watching the sister the whole time we're out here serving. And she was out there for a pretty good while. She was sitting on the curb, looked like she was in distress. We watching, we looking across the street. We even had a little conversation like, okay, she looked like, you know, she got a little something going on. Maybe somebody can help her. Maybe somebody can call her an Uber or a Lyft or something. And I'm thinking like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't even think they doing it. Like, I don't even think they lifting and Ubering like that. So she's across the street. She's, she's looking like she's in distress. People are passing by and looking at her and saying little things here and there. She's got her little bags of groceries around her. And so we clean up. We see the sister across the street. We cleaning up. We getting ready to go. And then uh, some, some of our friends pull up in front of the building and I begin to talk to them. But as I begin to talk to them, the sister from across the street, she makes her way across here to us. I'm like, okay, all right. So I'm trying to talk to my friend in the truck 
And then I'm ear hustling too, cause sis is talking to, to, to Bay at this point. And you know, a pastor risk taker. I'm like, okay, she talking to Bay, So I can't really, you know how you, you, you in one conversation, but your ear is hustling in another conversation. So I'm, I'm like, I'm tired. Yeah, girl. Okay. Yeah. What you said? All right. Okay. Yeah. Good to see you. What, 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 what she said? What, what she asking, friend? <laughs> oh, 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 she, <laughs> girl, I'm going to text you. Okay. I'm going to get the friend. And so what I hear is, Pastor Risk Taker says to the lady, let me talk to my wife. I'm talking talk to the wife about what? What you need to talk to me about? What, what was going on? So what sis has done is sis has asked Pastor Risk Taker for a ride. Friends, my mask was on so you couldn't see my face, but if you could see my face, friends, if you could see my face. And I said, she's talking to Pastor Risk Taker. I know Pastor Risk Taker going to take her up on the offer, but what friend does is sets me up for the kill, says in front of the sister, let me talk to my wife. He didn't say, let me talk to my wife because my wife is two blocks the other way. He says, let me talk to my wife who's standing right there. I'm like, <laughs> all right, brother. Oh, that's how we gonna do the game. You gonna just ask me right here in front of the lady. You gonna in, in front of the lady and everything right here. You gonna ask me in front of her right here, right now. And cause you already know what I'm feeling. We're in the middle of a pandemic and you giving random folks rise to the crib and a mask y'all. And I'm making light of the situation, but, but, but for real, I was struggling cause sis mask was, 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 was sideways. And she was, you know what I'm saying? She was looking like she was in distress. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Pastor risk taker though. He pulls me over to the side after he done called me out in front of the sister. So now she waiting at the gate with her hand on the gate, looking at me and looking at Corey like it's a movie. She looking at Corey, she looking at me. I'm looking at her. I'm looking at Corey. I'm looking at Sylvester and everybody looking at me. Like, what we gonna do, sister? I'm like, oh, ooh. And so now I'm starting to really like see this thing that we've been preaching come to life. And you know, Pastor Risk Taker, he has a very sharp way of reminding you of what the word says in the most inopportune time. And I'm thinking like, bruh, somehow the word does not apply in a pandemic, but that's lies and fallacies. The word still applies even in pandemic, but we like to switch it up, right? We like to add requirements and start being like the Pharisees and say, well, you know, we could stretch it right here. Okay, well, what if this happens? Well, we, well, it only applies right here or you got to do this and you got to do that now. And it says, no, she's in distress now. You don't have time to go keep the go pray about it because that's that's the Christian thing, too. Right. Let me let me pray about it and see what the Lord say. When folks in distress right now, what you what you praying about? Right. And some people not going to rock with me because because some people say, well, you have to exercise wisdom. But at that point, when, when my husband, he goes now, he walks away. And so the sister is there and she's talking to me. And I'm trying, y'all, I'm trying to get my face together. I'm trying to get my face together. I'm irritated. She's trying to come close. And I'm like, six feet, sis. And your mask ain't even all right. And my husband finna give you a ride. And I'm just real irritated with you right now because you making me have to do what the Bible say doing. And I'm getting forced out and it's really making me mad. I want you to go back across the street and call Tyrone. Because you're getting on my nerves, right? And tell him, come on. But instead, right, he challenges me. He forces me out. And I'm annoyed, people. I'm annoyed. If you see a sheep that's fallen in the pit, will you not get it out? I don't care about y'all over here serving the people with y'all gloves on and your mask on. That's safe. And some people really not going to rock with me on this. They're going to be like, yo, co you know, COVID out here, robo out here taking lives. And y'all, you got to just be safe out here. But as my husband said that day, he says, baby, you and I both know safety is a myth. I'm like, bro, shut up. But it's true. 
It's a myth. Because you know what my mom was thinking about? I was thinking about my kids. You get this lady a ride home, I don't know what she got. My kids in danger. But what does chapter 10 say? It says anyone that loves mother, father, son, daughter, more than me is not worthy of me. And I'm thinking like, yo, that's just reckless, Corey. But sometimes God calls us to risk for the kingdom. So I'm saying, okay, all right, bet. Take the lady, take her, take her, you know, to her little spot. I'm mad. She's trying to talk to me while Corey's gone. I'm trying to be cordial. And this is what she said to me. And it pierced my heart. It pierced my heart. It pierced my heart. And it was just a couple of words. It wasn't a whole lot of words. And she says, that's your husband. That's the pastor. She says, the lady across the street told me to come over here and talk to him because he the pastor and she knew he would do it. And then she says, I'm a Christian. And she says that to me like, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. I'm your sister. And that just pierce my heart y'all because she says because that alone was 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 that was communicating to me that I'm one of you you need to be looking out and I felt like yo yo what good is it if we got this really nice building right that God has blessed us with but we're not getting down there with the people and having mercy not just a sacrifice of your time and risking it to come out here in the midst of a pandemic and hand out food but getting down there with the people getting messy with the people like Jesus got down there with the people and got messy with the lepers and this is the same word that my husband used to me and I had to say God where is my trust where is my hope where is my faith? And I wrestled with that thing and I went home and I was like, yo, when he get home, I'm going to let him know. I'm going to let him take her to this little spot, but I'm hot. And God just began to arrest my heart even more. Being on mission, we've got to see. we got to see with clarity. We have to feel with compassion, a compassion that not just moves us to go, oh, poor pitiful but compels us to serve these people with dignity. That was the other thing. I had to see her. Yeah, she harassed and tormented to some degree, but still with dignity. When Jesus comes into our mess, he treats us with the utmost dignity. He don't put us on front street. He don't call us out. He deals with us compassionately. He don't flame us up, right? Even me as a mom, sometimes I be flaming up my son. Man, how you, how you miss eight? It was only 10 questions. How you miss eight, bruh? Because, you know, my homeschool tactics are a little different. And now I just thank God for teachers. I used to be a teacher, but I really thank God for teachers now, especially my son's teacher. And I'd be like, I know she be wanting to put hands on you. And she, she can't. But as for me and my house and my school, I put hands on you. You're going to get this work, and you're going to get it right now. But I'm off topic. God is calling us to have compassion. He's calling us the same way he called us in chapter 11, where Noah was talking about coming to me, lay those burdens down, those who are weary and burdened, and I'm going to trade yokes with you. I'm going to allow you to get under this one. You take, you take mine. It's easy. It's light, and we're going to do this thing together. You're going to be beside me and I'm the stronger one. I'm more skilled at knowing the commands and I'm going to lead and you're going to be right here with me and I'm going to give you the words to say. And I don't want you to think about all the churchy things that you often think about. How many times you prayed, how many times you read, how many things that you Zoom calls that you connected into, how many times you did this or that. I'm after your heart. And then when I capture your heart, everything else follows, right? When I capture your heart, you're going to desire to be a part of community anyway. And there may be a time where you got to kind of push yourself into that space. And you see that in chapter 12. It's not about the Pharisees and what they're, what they're thinking is the right thing to do in the keeping of the law. It's about the position of the heart. That's what Jesus was after. When that lady came from across the street, she was in distress. 
She was in distress and it is incumbent upon us as leaders and believers to look upon those people compassionately with dignity and serve those people. And I'm going to give you a warning now. And when I talk about getting into this word and going back and, 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 and really meditating on it and praying on it, because listen, I'm telling you, people are now in a position where they're listening. They're vulnerable. They want to know who's real and who's authentic and who knows Jesus because people are hurting. Last story and I'm going to leave. Last week, sister got married here. And we, you know, we're doing the social distancing and all that cool stuff. We doing what we supposed to do. And and great, you know, great situation is beautiful. First time having a little ceremony in the new space. But I, I go home, and as I go home, my son is in the driveway. And I look in the driveway, and there's two people in the driveway with him, close to him. And then he and I and, and, and he has the, the phone, his phone in his hand. I swerve into the driveway like the feds. Cause I'm like, who, who are these kids in my job? I don't even know them. Like we social distancing. Like y'all, who, who is you? Why y'all over here with my son? And why my son outside with no shirt on playing basketball? I swerve in and everybody eyes like deers and headlights. I, I get out the car. I'm like, what, what, what's going on right here? Like what, 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 what? But then I had to go, okay, woosah. Chill, because remember, you blew it with the lady across the street. God has given you a do-over, mercy, not all the stuff, not all the having the great wedding and, and serving and, and, and doing all this nice stuff for your sister to make sure she had the day of her dreams in, in, in spite of the pandemic. Now you have an opportunity to show love, and I'm saying this because, listen, I'd never seen those neighbors in my life. And when I got a chance to talk to them, they said they just wanted to be outside and be near people because they felt like it was some bit of normalcy that they don't get to be around people. And that's the space that people are in. People are gonna be flocking to the truth. Now more than ever, people are Googling who is God and they're, they're tapping into these live streams. People wanna know, and it's gonna be imperative for us to get in God's face and begin to ask God, the Lord of the harvest, Lord God, send me out. If you gotta force me out, force me out. If you know that you're not nice and you know that you don't have compassion, ask God to give you a heart of compassion so that you could see his creation the way that he sees his creation. Those young people, never seen them a day in my life, but they were in the driveway and they just wanted to be near people. I had to settle myself and I said, Robin, don't freak out. I went in the house and I said, the Holy Spirit said to me, go back outside and talk to them. And I was put, changing my clothes and I was like, ah, it's gonna be weird. I said, well, Lord, if you want me to talk to them, allow them to still be outside when I go outside. But by that time, they were across the street. And I had an opportunity to talk to them. And then they were over my house. They were not at my house, but they were outside of my house even on yesterday. Because they felt like, oh, she had a conversation with me that opened up the door. I was looking at them with compassion. And that's how we have to see God's people in this time, looking to see ways how, that we, how we can be compassionate and how we can share God's love even at a distance. Because once this thing gets to whatever it's gonna be, people are gonna be seeking and searching. You're gonna see an influx of people. You see it now, we don't have a building. We have a building, but we're not able to gather normally in the building. So now, COVID-19 is exposing us in a way like never before. We see where people's hearts really lie. And it was painful, but I saw where mine lie. But I saw God again saying, listen, giving that invitation again, like how he gave in chapter 11, come. You ain't gotta do this by yourself. You ain't gotta bear all those burdens. You ain't gotta worry. You ain't gotta toil. You ain't gotta do all of that stuff. Come unto me. You're, the, you're the, the ones that are weary. I don't need no sacrifice. Stop burning up stuff. I want compassion. So I'm going to challenge you guys with this. Pray and ask God to give you a heart of compassion if you know you lack it. If you know you've been operating in fear throughout this time and just in isolation, not trying to connect with anybody, ask the Lord to force you out in the way that he sees fit. And then pray for our world, pray for our leaders, that they would look upon this world and our nation with compassion. It's been an honor.
and a privilege to be a part of this live stream and share with you and come before you. I sincerely hope that this time has been a blessing to you and I keep touching this mic because my earrings are big and I be thinking they my earrings and that's okay. But it has been a pleasure being with you guys this morning. I hope something was said that pierced and pricked your heart and that you were um, inspired by something uh, that was said today. I just wanna pray before we um, log off and then release you to go have your happy Mother's Day or just be with your family. God in heaven, we thank you. We love you, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise for who you are. I just pray right now for our hearts of compassion. I pray, Lord God, that we would see as you see, that we would hear as you hear, that we would love as you love, that we would look upon the harvest field and we would see whom we should reach out to and that we would be bold and courageous and do that and that we wouldn't be like the Pharisees and trying to keep all of the laws and all of the commandments and all of the striving, but that we would have mercy, compassion, for those in distress. Give us your heart that we would just love like you love. Give us your mind that we would think to do the things that you do. We know that our ways are not your ways and far as the heaven is from the earth, so far are your ways from ours, Lord God, but we do trust you for direction. We lean on you because you are our only hope in this time. We bless you and give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you family, friends, guests. Go, be on mission.